Thank so. you. It's good to see you. And not just like over the, it's not just over the phone. This is Geek 4, a podcast about fans, fandom, and fan culture. I'm Dr. Michael Boyce. Everyone likes something, but what are you a geek for? Carolyn Mound is a talented artist who works in a variety of media. She speaks passionately about the role of art in everyday life and the value of the simple practices of the everyday. For the past number of years, she's been mastering weaving as her primary artistic form, producing beautiful functional pieces. She's a dear friend, and I'm very excited to talk to her today. Carolyn, welcome to Geek 4. Thank you, Michael. I'm very honored to be here. I'm so happy to have this opportunity to talk to you about this. And I, I would say already, I don't think I've mastered weaving yet. There are master weavers. So, I'm, you know, just putting it out there. I well, disclaimer, no. nod master. <laughs> um, today is April 12th. It is snowing in Winnipeg. I <laughs> took out the scarf that I have from you. It is pretty masterful, <laughs> let me say. Okay, you you are an artist. You are one of a few people that I know who who kind of embrace that title. Talk to me about coming to some realization that you were an artist. When did you decide like art was going to be part of your identity? Uh, it took therapy, actually. <laughs> Don't spit that out. Doesn't everything. No, but seriously. So like, okay, it's a total cliche, like fondest memories as a kid are like being creative coloring I remember like being three and so frustrated because I was trying to color on the hearth of our fireplace but I kept on picking up the texture of the stone and I'm like this is all wrong this is not how it's supposed to be in the same room as the record player and then have a hard flat surface and I was like yes this is how you do it uh when I was three so it's always been there uh I did my undergrad um in fine arts, but also they did a double major in psychology too, because my parents had convinced me needed to have a real opportunity, a backup option. Yes, because an undergraduate degree in psychology. <laughs> so much more career forwarding than being an artist. Exactly. Um, and then I moved to BC after I finished my undergrad and it was, it took about, I was there for six or seven years and it was like I would paint for a few hours maybe one or two weekends a month and it would take eight months to finish a painting but that was the easiest thing that I could kind of put down and come back to and that just that's all that I kind of had capacity with with work and things like that and then um, moved to Vancouver and took a printmaking course at a co-op um, and I was like, oh, this is fun. And then actually applied to become a member. And then I was like, got accepted. And so I had regular access to process that I could kind of wrap my head around. Again, it was still a couple years of just playing. And it was like a few pieces here and there. Uh, started therapy. And it is a total cliche, but it was actually like coming to terms with a lot of things, but going actually saying, uh, okay, I... I've known this my whole life. I, oh, this is all I want to do. But actually saying, I think not just that I want to be an artist, but that I am an artist and kind of stepping into that. Uh, and that's when I started taking it more seriously and then doing bodies of work eventually with the idea that I was going to apply for my master's. And it was kind of at that point that I would say I really was like owning it, wearing it. Um, 
but it, I had always said I would have an occupation to support my vocation. I, I figured living in BC that I would um, never be able to support myself financially by myself on my art. And I still can't. I have a lovely <laughs> money bunny in my wife. <laughs> pays up the bills. Um, Shout out to Christine. <laughs> love you, babe. Um, <laughs> but basically, it was like I knew I needed to do this. I did not know how I was going to do it. I figured I'd always have a job. So I've managed to have many, a million part-time jobs so I could still have some time and energy to dedicate to being creative and then um, applied for my master's. And that's how I ended up in Winnipeg. And that's how we met in the beautiful start to our beautiful friendship. Yes. And was there for four years and then ended up where I am now in Fort Francis, small town in Northwestern Ontario on the border with Minnesota. And that's when things really shifted dramatically as in the last just couple of years since living here. I figure there's probably another lead-in question you want to throw. <laughs> probably. But before I get to the lead-in question of your current fascination mm-hmm. With, mm-hmm. with weaving, I've always been fascinated by just the diversity in, in styles that you, you do, like you, you said, you paint, uh-huh. you, you have, I have more original art from you than anyone <laughs> else. I don't have a lot of original art, but I have a lot from you and it's very different. Like it's very, yes. Yeah. So what draws you to different media? Sometimes it was convenience or accessibility. So in my undergrad, I actually did a lot of photography My final exhibition was in photography. And then, um, like I said, when I was starting out in BC, like right after undergrad and kind of not knowing what to do with myself, painting was the easiest thing. It was relatively easy just to have an easel set up and could kind of dabble at it. Uh, it I was never terribly great or passionate about it, but it was just kind of a accessibility issue. Printmaking, I think, is what really felt the most home at that point because I have realized I very much like technical processes photography it was still I had the dark room back in the days when we actually went into the dark room so there is a technical process married with creativity but it's very much based in process same for printmaking um basically when I started a project I would know what it was going to look like exactly at the end which at the beginning was great for me, but then it became very limiting. And that's actually part of my, why I wanted to do my master's was to break out of that and kind of take more creative lists and do more abstract work and things like that. So printmaking was technical, um, accessible, the benefit of like uh, making multiples. And so being able to do a series like a print, but have an edition of 10 and actually be able to sell 10 of them and to kind of cover the amount of time and work that went into building that image. Um, Then with my master's, that's where I really kind of started playing around. And that was my goal. Like I wanted to, when I was starting my master's, I was like, okay, I have a couple particular things I wanted to try working abstractly. I wanted to use new media and technology. So I was like, in a ceramics course, I was using a CNC router to kind of create molds. So I did it for ceramics work. And really, probably between the printmaking and the weaving, those are the two that I've really dedicated the most time to kind of really not mastering the craft, but at least really diving more deeply. And even printmaking, I just did one or two 
techniques and there's so many there's lithography there's silkscreen there's reductive like there's relief there's etching and italio and all these things and i did a one or two of those relatively well um ceramics it was just like i never got into wheel throwing it was really just hand built but i i needed that tactility and it was a way for me to kind of work with my hands but because it wasn't technically complicated like wheel throwing and I was just building with my hands that was a way a kind of a, a gateway tool for me to uh, work more abstractly um, the printmaking I did do some printmaking and that was kind of marrying the abstract and the technical so really some like there's a variety of reasons for me sometimes it's about pushing myself like okay I want to try ceramics or I want to try um, working abstractly and even working abstractly it was still with printmaking like I couldn't I didn't really push the limit in terms of one or the other being purely abstract probably except for the ceramics and then I got after my master's I got into some textile work embroidering rags and I think that was part I was wondering if I could bring up your dish rag uh, exhibit yeah. which I loved I just couldn't figure out how to get there from <laughs> Well, that's the thing. So like I finished my master's and I'm so glad I did my master's, but in a lot of ways, it really screwed me over because you had to defend everything before you even started. Mm. Having meetings with advisors, um, you had to know exactly where the work was going or you had to be able to defend it. Even if there was some creative exploration, it was all about the defense. Mm -hmm. And it took all joy of the risk taking and the unknown and exploring out of the process. So I had to basically, as soon as I finished my master's, I had to undo my master's in a lot of ways. Mm. And that's partly what the RAG series was about. Uh, it was after my mom had died relatively unexpectedly. She had an accident. It was in the hospital. I'm like literally looking at her broken and bruised body while cleaning out my childhood home of 40 years. And I didn't actually have these thoughts at the time to keep the rags from my childhood but there was this connection of like marking time honoring her body all these things that eventually came into the rags which was a body of work for that I worked on for over probably two years of embroidering and it was really about honoring so my work has always been about connection either connection to place connection to other people Prince, the biggest print series I did was like honoring these places in Vancouver that were in between. They weren't currently being used, but they hadn't been torn down and renovated yet or um, refurbished or anything like that. Like, so it was a lot of back alleys and doorways that these places in between that are not either one or the other. Um, and then my master's project was about making connection and having these exchanges in public places where trade, they literally traded everything I made for something that I let someone else put the value on. But it was about the relationship. But it was about having these engagements, even with strangers and, um, you know, Thirsty's flea market. <laughs> like, um, I remember that one. <laughs> and so then the rags were really about honoring my mom but honoring the marking of time and these rags that are literally like disregarded and, and originally were either like a pajama top or a towel or something that gets so worn out and is disregarded and thrown under the sink for shoe polish or painting, but they still have a history. They still have a story. Every scar, every stain, every worn out place tells a story of a life lived. 
And even if it's just the most mundane thing of drying the dishes every other night for 10 years that wore out this tea towel, it still was in people's hands. It was part of a daily practice about maintenance, about marking time, domestic duties. So the rags were kind of also an accessibility medium for me and that I could work intuitively and uh, creatively just embroidering and responding to the stains and marks and I could kind of take it with me. So um, I was finishing that up when I moved to Fort Francis, but then that's kind of where I was lost after because I didn't have a functional goal or project. Uh, when I was leaving Winnipeg, I had already had the show set up for the Mennonite Gallery, though it didn't happen for six months after or a year after, I can't remember. But I still had something to anchor me and, and a creative process to focus on. And then I moved here and that ended and then I was kind of lost. But really, so and, and even the weaving, which we'll get into, was still um, a medium of accessibility and availability in a lot of ways, which was completely unexpected. Well, let's get into the unexpected where, me, where weaving finds you. Um, and it's interesting you say uh, accessibility because I have seen pictures of your loom uh, and they are accessibility is not the word I would use. Uh, that one's huge behind you. Oh, that's the small that's one. That's the small one. Yes, of course. Yeah. Um, the way you describe it, it makes perfect sense that weaving would be attractive to you as somebody who both mm -hmm. appreciates the the technical the the the, mm -hmm. the craftsmanship craftspersonship yep. of, yep. of of making something but also the creativity so how did you get into weaving uh funny shit <laughs> let me tell you it's what i'm here for <laughs> this is why i'm here um so i moved to fort francis it's a small town eight thousand people smallest place i've ever lived finished uh, the RAG project, had the show in Winnipeg uh, and was very lost. Like, um, I'm not sure if anyone will hear this from Fort Francis when it goes live, but you know, I would move here and people would find out that I was an artist and they'd be like, my uncle used to paint, paint chainsaws. I think there's still some back in the shed. Do you want some? Maybe we could do a little project together. You could paint the chainsaws. And I was like, hmm. <laughs> Thanks, but I think I'm going to look into some other options. Like literally people were excited that there was an artist, but having come from the strongest art community I'd ever had in Winnipeg and moving here and being very unsettled with not knowing what to do with work and, you know, moving to a new place is always super challenging. Living in three provinces in five years, you know, there's a lot to adapt to. Um, so I was kind of between things. And after my mother had died, my father had moved to a new community and he had never really had hobbies. And at some point a loom had, a small tabletop loom had fallen into his lap and um, he tried it out. He was also kind of a tech, he was an engineer, technical kind of person, but, and he did, he did embroidery. He would, he, as a kid, he knitted and stuff, not the traditional man hobbies, but he just never really got into weaving. And so he was going to, just pass it on to someone else and I was like well I'll, I'll take it if you're really just giving it away I'll, I'll take it and I honestly had never had any interest in weaving I did not think about it what I knew the very little I knew of it I did not it did not do anything for me I knew had friends that were weavers and I was like meh like it really did nothing for me 
anyway, he came to visit our first winter here, middle of January, and brought this loom. And I was like, okay, I'll play around. And honestly, within two weeks of him giving me a crash course of like two hours of, yes, this is what weaving is. This is how you do it, which he had gotten from a crash course from a woman from his church who had given him a two-hour crash course. And he still had the same warp of like the pot holders on it. Within two weeks of that, I was actually looking on Kijiji for looms and bought my first one sight unseen, an 80-year-old custom-built Claire loom that had sat in a garage for 40 years in Niagara. So then it took six months to actually figure out how to get it up here. In that time, I was still, no, seriously, oh. like the, the research trying to ship this and it ended up all coming together with Dawn from St. Ben's having driving right by there and had an empty truck. And I was like, can I throw it in the back? And he picked it up and Zach brought it, like drove it and Christine picked it up and dried it. Like it was just crazy how it all came together. But I really do feel like the weaving just kind of hunted me down because I was not looking for it, not expecting it. And so that was, I had basically been teaching myself a little bit more before I even got the loom, got the loom. And then um, within six months of that, my physical life fell apart and weaving was the, actually the only thing that I could do that did not break me anymore. And that's when it kind of shifted everything and I fell into it even more. Can you say more about that? <laughs> you don't have to. I can edit it out. No, 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 not at all. So, um, yes, I was working. I had, uh, again, small town, not a lot of job opportunities. I had been working part-time at the jail, which is actually um, Ontario's second smallest jail. It's very, it's like, it looks like a little schoolhouse. No, seriously, it's like <laughs> there's... 21 inmates at any one time um it's tiny and anyway so very small environment it was fine the work itself was fine it was more the administrative energy that was really not healthy for me and so um I had been working at the weaving and I knew that it suited me very well like technically I picked it up quite easily my business name is natural born weaver because like the first project a weaver friend saw was like wow that's really good you're a natural and seriously I was like oh, maybe that's my business of future business thing, which I didn't even had not even dreamed about ever having a business <laughs> anyway so physically though I started getting these really debilitating migraines and I could not work uh outside of my home I couldn't be on a screen I, like fluorescent lights even like there was I had a nine-day migraine and it was multiple trips to the hospital Ooh. that made it worse and it was like six weeks of being off work and then still having all these issues. So when I literally, I would be sitting in a darkened room and I couldn't do anything as I started coming out of that. Um, the only thing I found that I could do was just sitting at the loom. And it was actually the, the analog hand, eye tactile nature of rewiring my brain. That was the only thing that actually helped heal. And so physically my body, it was like the stress, that I've been carrying started diminishing. And then I was actually in my brain going, just making these connections. It was really healing. Like literally that's the only thing I could do. And so I started doing more and more. And I was, I was trying to go back to work. It just, it never happened. It couldn't do it. And in my bones, it just knew that I needed to leave that job. First of all, it was just not the right place for me, but that I also just needed to do this and kind of throw myself in. So it, 
took a lot of effort to convince my wife to let me try to do that. Shout out again to Christine. Love you, babe. Um, but it it honestly made the world of difference. And like the recovery then happened. Another loom fell into my lap. Unexpected. Wasn't looking for it. That one must have hurt. <laughs> it, it's actually, yeah, it's even bigger. It's like 45 inches wide. So uh, yeah, that's how the weaving found me. And um, yeah. So your looms all have names. Yes. yes, they do. What are your looms called? So most of my looms, my Three, three of my four looms are from a Canadian company out of Quebec called Leclerc, and they name their looms. So the first loom, the tabletop one that I got from my dad is Dorothy, and she's just stayed as Dorothy. Sometimes I call her Dot. The one I bought sight unseen that's behind me uh, is called Baby, because she's sitting in the middle of the room and there's no putting Baby in the corner. Nobody puts Baby in the corner. Exactly. So that she's just Baby, but technically... Uh, her company name is Mira, but it's a custom build. I'm pretty sure like I sent them photos of them of, of her to the company just to verify. And they're like, oh, that does not look like ours, but their labels on it. I think it was actually custom built. And then the other one uh, is called Nellie. Um, so Nellie's had a few upgrades. So she's got lots more potential now. And then I got an ankle loom for Christmas and her name's Inga. Inga the ankle loom. That's awesome. So what, what sorts of things are you making now? Um, people can go to your website, which I'll give, we'll yes. get talk about that in a minute, but what do you enjoy making? So because I've largely been self-taught, I took one class in Minnesota at the textile center there. Everything else has been me reading in books and teaching myself via YouTube. So I've been I started with making functional stuff and that was kind of, again, also my gateway, moving to a small community, needing to make, but I not having the capacity to think conceptually by myself and support myself without kind of a community to sit with ideas and people not getting that work and here and kind of, you know, questioning it. So it was easy just to make functional stuff. So started with like scarves and then as the, the, capability of my looms increase my loom quantities <laughs> increased um i've kind of you know everything from rugs and runners to table runners i from on my website i have kind of for the home and the body for sections so for the body it's like scarves shawls baby blankets cowls for the home it's rugs runners tea towels best tea towel you'll ever own placemats, table runners, pillows, um, done some Christmas stuff. So it's kind of a bit of both. Um, but it's really only been in the last couple months that I've actually started. Like I love, I love the functional. It's, it's worked really well for me, but I have started missing the more creative because functional is process and pattern based there. You can change the pa- the materials or you can change the colors, but really, if you were making a scarf with this pattern, it, there's not a lot of variety in how you can mix that up. Mm-hmm. And so I've missed kind of being a bit more creative and taking more creative risks. So I actually took a site up for an online tapestry course in January. I made a, my own self-directed residency. I had hoped to go, there's like an amazing textile center in Iceland and pre-pandemic, I was like, I'm going to apply for a residency. I'm going to go to Iceland for like a month and just make. And then the pandemic happened. And so I was like, 
okay, I'm gonna do my own self-directed residency. I've been taking this tapestry course. And so I'm just starting to actually get back into that. So I'm learning another whole technique there. It's also weaving, but it's very different and it is more image and pictorial based or can be. So I'm getting back into playing with like ideas. I haven't had creative ideas in a long time that were not just like, oh, I'm gonna make this shawl out of these materials or this color. But like, I have a blank canvas, loosely, theoretically saying, a space that I can work on creatively that's not uh, limited solely to the pattern or the grid that the functional is. So I am starting to get into that. And I, eventually, my vision is to kind of move more back into the art side of things and still do some functional stuff, but doing custom custom weavings or uh, commission pieces or just large, like just art-based tapestries that kind of feed the technical side of me, but are more creative than just what I can make with tea towels. I don't want to make tea towels for the rest of my life. No. They're good tea towels. They're great tea towels. They will last the rest of your life, but I don't. But then theoretically, if you have one, you don't have to make another one for that person. So, you know. Exactly. Exactly. If I were to ask the broad question, because I know lots of people enjoy art, but embracing the label of artist is hard for people. Therapy is not always an option for everyone. So without Mm -hmm. therapy, (laughs) what advice would you have for somebody who has that desire to be an artist? Honestly, just do it and don't judge yourself. Like for me, I only got to the place where I could actually call myself an artist because I started with what I could do. And really, I only had the capacity to paint for a few hours, one weekend a month and didn't feel great. And I wanted to do more. But if you don't even do that much, then it's not going to get you anywhere. So it's like, just do what you can do what you want. Don't judge yourself. Like a lot of it is just doing and it's just play and make mistakes and go oh that was horrible or that sucked but at least I tried and oh I learned something about this material that if you do that with this that's kind of exciting where will that go and it's just yes we you know put a lot of pressure on ourselves on society to kind of have to master something or put stuff out on social media that is like the perfect us which is not the way it is. Nope. <laughs> so it's like, make a hot mess, it, but at least you're doing it and, and you'll learn and it just fires. It's like, it will fire you with ideas. It will fire you with momentum. It will hopefully take you places that you didn't experience. I had no desire to weave and now I have a business and I, it's what I do full time. And you make wonderful stuff. Well, just because I was like, ah, eh, sure. Why not? I'll try. Seriously, like I think about that regularly. If I was still in Winnipeg, I would not be weaving. If we had bought, no, seriously, if we had bought one of the other houses that we looked at when we moved here, I would not have the space for three looms. So I would not be weaving. Uh, It is just really kind of opening yourself up to whatever the universe is throwing at you and be like, okay, that really does not, that did nothing for me. Or it taught me something, but it taught me I'd never want to do that again. But at least you just have to try. So that's still a valuable lesson. Exactly. Totally. Those are the best <laughs> lessons. It's, mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Are you up for some fast four? Sure. That crazy music is. <laughs> yeah. I created that all by myself. Oh, I learned how to do weird stuff. 
What is the first thing you remember being a geek for? Probably like coloring uh, when I was three uh, and being really frustrated that the hearth mantle was not the right surface. And that's, um, that was frustrating. What are you a huge fan of that might surprise people? Uh, I don't have a fan of, but I have been actually geeking out for working out, for lifting weights. I, I have actually weaving coming into it as a middle-aged woman is not an easy thing and it is very physically hard on the body so I've had far more aches and pains in the last year than I would really like to have so I've actually hired a personal trainer and I work out five to six times a week and I'm doing weight training and I actually really love it like it, I love getting up in the morning and just working out so not I'm not sure if many people would actually see that or picture that with me so yeah Besides your looms, yes. what is the geekiest thing you own? Yeah, I thought you were going to ask that. Well, okay, so it's not actually technically a loom. So <laughs> just, I thought you were going to say you don't technically own looms. You borrow them. <laughs> you are one with them. Um, no, so actually all of these weird things that have come into my life, when my father passed away almost a year ago, we. Uh, this last summer I had to clean out his house and I was became the collector of all of the family history and I have pro like my mother had there there at least 35 photo albums just that my mom created in her lifespan plus there was like boxes and boxes of family history going back on my dad's side um, and I had known this fact but I didn't actually really get it uh my great 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 grandfather was a weaver and i have a piece of cloth that he wove at least 150 years ago uh and i think about it like i i think for some of my art ideas what i've been playing with is this this whole family history like on that side alone he had like 10 kids and then his uh offspring had like I, I, it gets into the hundreds and hundreds of offsprings, but that that one piece of fabric that he made went down from his kids to one of their kids to one of their kids, which was my grandmother, and she was one of eight. So it could have gone even within two generations. It could have gone to Uncle Clifford, uh, who died before, and one of his offspring, but that it ended up coming down through six generations, seven generations to land in my lap as a weaver just kind of blows my mind. So I'm pretty, I, I get pretty geeked out about that. Is there a show that you are currently binging or have recently binged that you want to share with everybody? Oh, that's a good question. I was waiting. It's for that. a great question. The only show that I have rewatched multiple times is called Dark. It's on Netflix. It is a German angsty. Have you, have you seen it? I started it. <gasps> Seriously, like it is so brilliant in that, like in every single aspect, there's the writing and the acting that it spans uh, multiple generations over a hundred, over a hundred years, uh, the continuity alone, they will, there will be one small object that is referenced briefly in the first season that is answered in the third season it just blows my mind. And it is the only, like, I, I will have to, it's German. So there's subtitles, but then I have to stop. And I'm like, okay, wait a sec. So that means that 
<laughs> Holy. And so dark. If you, dark. you, it is a commitment. You have to be fully present, but it is honestly the best show I have ever seen in my life. Awesome. Ever. All right. Carolyn, where can people find you on social media if they want to see your creations or support you by buying something? Uh, I am on Instagram and Facebook at Natural Born Weaver. All one word, Natural Born Weaver. Uh, and my website is naturalbornweaver.com or .ca. Uh, and mm-hmm. personal Instagram is mount.carolyn, but it's not. It's mostly my dog and me on the trails. It's not terribly exciting. <laughs> I love pictures of Avery, so, yeah, you know. Um, I'll link to those in the show notes. Thank you so much. Thank this was you. so good to talk to you. This I'm was, so glad you eventually agreed to do this. <laughs> it was just a matter of timing. It wasn't that I had to, it was just, it was, it was at, for this moment. I was waiting for this exact moment. Do not rush the universe, my friend. No, Patience. I will not. Patience. <laughs> Patience. Thank you for joining me on Geek 4. You can follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Geek4Pod or me on Twitter at MWBoyce. If you listen on Apple Podcast, click the subscribe button and consider leaving a five-star review. Be sure to join us next time when we learn what someone else is a geek for. Best you tell you'll ever own.